All right, how is it going, everyone? Hope you're all having a great day. I know I am. I'm very excited for today's episode of Forward Thinking Founder, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I am very, very excited to be talking to the co-founder of Matrix, Justin Jung. Justin, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm really looking forward to learning more about Matrix. And with that, let's just dive right into it. For people listening, can you explain what Matrix is? Yeah, so essentially what we're trying to do is we're building an esports brand. So a team in the league and a streamer accelerator. And we're focused around the concept of democracy. So we want to let our fans, our teams, and our players vote on different decisions within our brand. So let's unpack a few concepts before we dive in. Uh, so I, I think that, I mean, I, I'm familiar with what's going on in esports. It's blowing up. There might be some people that, that aren't super familiar. Um, so could you kind of describe the lay of the land of what's going on with esports and how someone just kind of creates a team or creates a company in that industry? Yeah. So... Esports, if anyone has not heard of esports, just think like regular sports, football, basketball, baseball. But people are playing these games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Dota, instead of physical sports. Um, so esports right now is a booming industry, growing super quickly. Huge companies are getting in. Um, and it's still kind of a mess inside. So people making new teams, a lot of times they're just a person. They get some friends that play together and they start competing in these tournaments. And if they're good enough, they get picked up by some big sponsor like Red Bull or something. And then they get going. So is esports very similar to just kind of sports? Like you can start a team and then is there... I'm gonna ask some basic questions just so I can understand and so yeah. the, the audience can understand. So, so actually, let's just talk about your journey. So, you, how did you get into esports, and when did you decide you wanted to 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 start something within that industry? Yeah. So, I think I've started watching esports since I think middle school, right? Like eighth grade, seventh grade. So that was. Uh, four or five years ago. Um, so I started watching esports with my friends because we played the game. So I've been in this like scene for a while. And then um, I think it was sophomore year of high school when I was like, wow, there's a lot of problems in esports. There's like a lot of player exploitation. A lot of fans don't feel listened to. Um, like engagement isn't as high as it could be. I could probably fix this with like democracy. But obviously, I was like a sophomore in high school. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Um, so we kind of worked on it. I gave up after a few months. I did some other stuff. But then after a while, like, I kept coming back to this idea of like decentralized governance, esports, uh, how we could make entertainment this more engaging thing. So then I think I actually raised money for another startup around biometrics about four or five months ago, but then we pivoted back into esports. Got it. And let's kind of keep going down this path. So 
would you call, excuse me for my na- naivete, by the way, I, I'm, this is all very new, which is why I'm excited to have you on. So Matrix is a, a team, and you recruit player, you recruit other people that play, play games, play video games to your team to kind of be sponsored by Matrix? Is that how that works? Yeah, exactly. Um, so right now, we're kind of focused more on buying already created teams, and we just buy them out so that we can grow faster. Um, we're not building our teams from scratch for the most part. We're buying already made teams and then we'll make improvements on them as we go along. So are you, are you almost building? What's the equivalent? Like if you're, how does that work? Like, like if, if I'm thinking of like the NFL, right? You, you have the Cardinals, which is the Arizona Cardinals where I live and, and they want to recruit the best talent. So they, they recruit from, college they recruit from other teams but they don't buy other teams can you kind of explain that dynamic in esports how does a team uh, buy a team um and and is that very common or is that a strategy that you're kind of using for matrix that that's kind of paving the paving the future yeah um it's getting a lot more common so like five seven eight years ago i think most people would be building their own teams from scratch but now that like there's a lot of good players on the scene, there's a lot of teams, big brands will just go in, buy a team, rebrand it, change it to their name, change the logo, change colors, change the organizational structure, and then it becomes theirs. And yeah, so you see that happening a lot now with like multi-million dollar deals and all that. For sure, for sure. So I have a couple more basic questions and I want to go into this kind of democracy or the system that you have that that seems to be seems to be kind of new so just a couple more basic questions so you have a team and you absorb other teams you get their players and and then are there quote-unquote games or are those tournaments like do you take your team and go to a tournament and try to win and that's how you get paid i guess what's the what's the competitive part of of esports right now yeah so i mean we do we would get money from prizes from tournaments uh but that's not like a sustainable income flow right we don't know for sure that we're gonna win and like we don't want to die because we lost a few tournaments in a row uh so the main way most teams get their money is through sponsorships um right now we have the luxury of not needing to go seek out sponsors we can just experiment because we have vc funding so we're focused on growth and experimenting with democracy before we start really searching for sponsorship. Got it. Well, let's, let's dive into democracy within matrix because it, it sounds very interesting. So if you can explain how that the dynamics of how most teams work, and then can you explain how it works in matrix with your democracy? Yeah. So, Every other team will, and this goes for esports and sports, has like their boardroom or executives making all the decisions. Some of them get passed down to like coaches to make and all that. So it's very centralized. Field leaders make all the decisions. What we're trying to do is we want to give decision making power to the fans and the players. And so obviously for some things, that's not a good idea, right? Like for some decisions, you want an expert making it. But for other decisions like jersey color, designs, 
uh, new games to get into. We think that's something that Crowd Wisdom is really well equipped for. So we'll let people vote on that. At some point, it may become true that Crowd Wisdom is the super powerful tool with the right like uh, interface around it. And we could have like really impactful decisions. So maybe we can have fans deciding who our next player should be. That would be like the ultimate go if we could figure out a way to utilize crowd wisdom to that extent. Got it. So I'm, I want to make an inference and you should let me know if I'm totally off or spot on. Yeah. Uh, if you're using kind of democracy to and a dem democratic system to make decisions or at least some decisions, are you powered by a blockchain technology? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we thought about that for a while, right? There's this super cool tool called Aragon. Um, it's run on Ethereum. It's a DAO. And eventually we do want to use it or something like it because what that lets us do is we can have like fully transparent payments. Our fans would know exactly what we're doing with the money. Um, we could build it. We could like link it with other cool crypto tools. But that's like too much complexity right now. We want to just figure out how to make a system that works well first before we start enhancing with like trustless systems and transparency and all that. So right now it's like fully centralized voting system. For sure, for sure. Well, I think that's cool because I met actually, it's kind of funny timing. Um, I, I hadn't really been, I haven't known anything about esports up until about a week and a half ago. And then a someone reached out to me to, to chat in Phoenix and you know, he, he's kind of in esports and now we're talking about esports and I'm and I feel like it's picking up some steam and it's just kind of making me wonder like where right now it's niche, but I know that it's exploding. Esports is growing very quickly. Where do you see the industry going? in 10 years and and how is it mainstream like does everyone know about it do sports go away can you kind of paint that vision for me yeah um so i think more near term i do think esports is in a bit of a bubble right now like there's people think that the viewership numbers are highly inflated it's probably true so i think we will see some downturn like within 10 years I don't think it'll be massive. It's obviously not going to kill the industry. Like, if you believe in sports having success, like, esports is just the next generation. Um, as far as future of esports in 10 years, yeah, I think it'll be pretty mainstream. If you look in Asian countries, it's already very close to being mainstream. It's every, everywhere. Um, I don't think sports, like traditional sports, is going to go away. I think we're still going to watch it. I think viewership is probably going to be lower than it is now. It's already kind of dropping. And I do think that VR esports, virtual reality esports, will be huge. Maybe not in 10 years, but, like, I would bet that in 20 years, like, the most watched esport would be a VR esport. Well, let's dive into that, because when I first heard of the concept of virtual reality and esports combined, which is obvious to someone in the industry, but not obvious yeah. to me not being in it, my mind was blown. I'm like, oh, like the possibilities are, are endless, and right. that's really exciting to think about. I'm like, can you, do people, are people working on that? Like, like is V, and if they, I guess, what is your knowledge on the development of VR and esports, and once it's is the technology there yet? Or where, where are we with that? Yeah, um, so there are a few like very, very small esport leagues for VR. Like we're working on one right now. 
Um, but yeah, it's very small. And the reason for that, I think, is because of accessibility. It's very expensive to get a computer that can handle VR and a VR headset. Um, but that's not going to be true forever. Like, the price is going to drop dramatically eventually. And yeah, so everyone will have a headset and we'll be fine. Um, yeah. Sorry, I, will, I actually just want to interject one second. A question. Yeah. Within the headsets, do, do, if um, for, let's say, tomorrow, Facebook announced or, you know, Apple or whoever announced, hey, all, like, we want VR to be a thing, so we're selling, you know, Vive or Rift, like, powered or, like, the, that kind of strength of VR headsets for, like, 10 bucks, and all of a sudden, overnight, a billion people got VR headsets. Would that kind of unlock a lot of the, a lot of the hype that VR has but hasn't, hasn't captured because of the headset drought? Um, hmm. I don't think it would boost VR into like the stratosphere immediately because of the quality of games. I think the games are gonna have to catch up. The hardware is gonna have to get better. It would definitely like boost. I think that if that happened hypothetically, then a VR game would probably be top five most watched games. Um, but yeah, like VR games are very simplistic compared to your normal PC games. So it would also require like developers to be working on it. For sure, for sure. So does a company like, so I'm just kind of like going into this, this realm deeper and deeper because it's really, I, I, don't, I don't get to talk about this stuff often. So appreciate um, you kind of rolling with this. So like, is there going to be? A, do you see a potential world with esports that esports completely shifts from controller to esports just being? Let's say it's two decades from now, esports being actually in the game. Um, like, or do you think there will always kind of be like a controller element, or is it impossible to know because that's the future and you can predict the future? <laughs> oh yeah, well I'm almost a hundred percent sure that like within the next uh, thirty years. It's going to be like this open world. Because, I mean, if you, I don't know if you saw this, but at the next, I mean, at the last Oculus, like, conference, they announced, like, cameras on their headsets for the Quest. That, so you don't even need controllers to use it. Um, so, yeah, like, within the next 30 years, probably sooner, like, 20 years, I think it's going to be, like, fully, you're, you're just walking around this open world without controllers or anything. That's uh, that blows my mind. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Well, let's let's go back real quick to to Matrix. So, I love to hear what are the elements of Matrix. Uh, like, you have a team. The team plays. You you can get a sponsor. You have a VC. Like, is there? You you mentioned the word fans. Do you have fans that follow your your players around? Or um, what are some other elements uh, of that makes up an esports team? Yeah, so um, esports has gotten very sophisticated. I think so. You've got like general managers, you've got coaches, and one big thing that's been coming out is people are getting like nutritionists and neuroscientists and like physical health coaches because they want to be like at the top. 1% of teams 
And to do that, like you can't just train in game. You have to start using methods that traditional sports have been using for a long time to boost their performance. Um, so that's like a pretty big aspect of esports. So then, of like top tier esports. So for us personally, we're not at that stage yet where we're going to be hiring these like super expensive coaches to do all that. Um, as far as our fans, yeah, we have a like small fan base. We just bought the top um, Vietnamese PUBG mobile team. So that's going to like increase our visibility a lot more. Got it. Yeah, this world, uh, this world uh, is super inter- interesting to me just because I know the rate in which it's growing or at least yeah. people are talking about it. And it's just like, I'm not in it. So it's nice to get a, a, a perspective from you. Something I would kind of like to do is Actually, before we move on, I have one last question. Then we'll move on to some other stuff. You mentioned that you are VC backed. You have you have funding. Is that um, give you kind of a superpower among everyone else, or is it common to have VC backed esports teams? Um, yeah. So the top tier of esports teams are all VC backed. They all have millions of dollars. They're way more well funded than we are. So it's not like we're beating them all just because we have more money it does let us rise into the realm of these top teams way faster because we don't have to like be super scrappy looking for like small sponsors giving us like a few thousand dollars that we could pay our players. So it gives us like this, the potential to grow super quickly, but it doesn't let us automatically beat everyone else. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like, kind of like just a general startup. Like if you have a, startup and a good VC gives you $2 million doesn't mean that right. you're automatically yeah. going to win. It means you have $2 million to invest. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I would like to go a little away from the realm of esports and in Matrix and just kind of go a little into your brain and would love to learn about some of the things that you spend your time thinking about when you're not working on on Matrix or thinking about esports, are there technologies that interest you, problems in the world you wish could be solved, startups that interest you? Kind of, what do you spend your time thinking about um, when you're not thinking about your company? Yeah. Um, so other generally interesting things have been like governance, things around like charter cities. I think that's really interesting. So that's somewhat adjacent to what I'm working on with like new sorts of governance. But I think like charter cities are a really cool idea. We could test new sorts of governance systems you know, like economic systems and all that. Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about crypto because like we're kind of adjacent to that too. And I worked in crypto before this. Um, what else? I think new advances in space technology is super cool. I know very little about it, but it's something that I follow. What about it is, is interesting to you and what element excites you about space tech? Yeah, I mean... It's just cool, right? Like, um, sure, going to space sure. and all that. Uh, I think, like, the interplanetary species thing is really important to, like, um, I don't know, like, stop human extinction, right? That's, like, I mean, it's not like I can't sleep because I'm thinking about human extinction all the time, but it's, like, it's an interesting thing to think about, like, thought experiments on all that. Um, but, yeah, like, interplanetary colonies is super cool yeah i'm kind of into the idea of what happens when humans kind of like what you're saying when humans colonize mars and it isn't just this crazy thing like oh my gosh why would you go to mars it's one of these things where it's like oh honey 
I need to hang out with my friend over at Mars. I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> You know, and I feel like yeah. I know nothing about what Elon Musk, you know, or NASA are up to, but he he seems very very optimistic about his timeline, which means obviously maybe too optimistic. But I think within a decade we're going to be on Mars, and that kind of that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like we'll have some like we'll have a human in there within ten fifteen years, and then as far as the colony goes, probably longer, but it would be super yeah. cool. Or, you know, what we can do is when we have VR that's ready, we can just build a super, super <laughs> realistic right. Mars yeah. and play some sports on it, and then we don't even have to go up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just can we just way to the future. Yeah. Um, you, you also mentioned crypto, which I want to dive into a little bit. Uh, in 2017, I was one of those people, you know, that was on the hype train and, and bought and lost money and, and all that good stuff. Um, and, and since then, it hasn't really gone back to where it was in 2017, but the potential is still huge. What interests you about crypto and where do you think it's going to win versus, uh, you know, just hype and, and run out? Yeah. Um, so I have become more of like a Bitcoin maximalist recently, right? Because um, I was originally very into Ethereum. I still think it's cool. I think DeFi is cool, but I think it's farther away. I think like stuff like Bitcoin is super powerful for sending money, for freedom and all that. And so recently, when we were buying the Vietnamese team, we had to send money overseas to Vietnam. And it's taken us over two months to send the money. Like, we literally just got it done, I think a few days ago, through some, like, super weird method of sending different amounts to various people, basically laundering money, right, um, to do this fully legal thing. Whereas if we just used Bitcoin, it would take us, like, five minutes. So, like, there's obviously a lot of power behind this, like, fast money transmission protocol. I try to get my try to wrap my mind around this, and I mean, I, I used to be, and I still kind of am. I'm in the freelance space and the freelance workspace and payment space and stuff, and I, I kind of wonder when's it going to get to the point where people can use blockchain and, and and cryptocurrency to build apps and not face that giant risk of like it just not working because no one else has done it, like. Do you have thoughts on being the first mover versus waiting for someone else to get in there and then get in? Like, how do you think about innovation in the, in the crypto space? Yeah. Well, I think if someone wants to build a crypto app, I think if they build an Ethereum, I think they're like pretty safe. Like, yeah, there's risks, but then there's risks with everything. And you know that Ethereum's not going to suddenly shut you off like Facebook or Twitter might just shut your app off, right? So I think the ecosystem is there. If someone wants to build a crypto app, if they do an Ethereum, they're pretty safe doing it. Like, there's the Ethereum 2.0 update, which might break a lot of things, but still, like, the ecosystem is there. You can probably port it over. It's a, now's a good time to build on it. But are there companies that are, to my knowledge, I don't know of any big company or even small quickly growing startup that is building on blockchain technology that is like using though that's that kind of tech to grow is are they and they're just early or is it just are people missing a is the industry missing a pioneer to just build a killer app and then everyone else thinks it's safe i just don't see i don't see so many companies there and i and i wonder why because like i kind of am interested in building there too <laughs> yeah 
I mean, there's like quite a few decentralized finance companies built on Ethereum, like Compound, um, Dharma, and all that. Those are all finance systems built on Ethereum. There's not much else. And the reason for that is, I think it's around usability. It's still super hard to use systems built on Ethereum. Like even the easiest ones are very difficult to use. Um, so yeah, I think once we figure out usability, which a lot of super smart people are working on, I think we'll see way more products built on it. Definitely. I think so too. And I'm curious to see what Libra is going to do to the mix. Are, are you familiar with, with yeah. Facebook? Is that going to... Is that going to do anything, or is it just kind of noise to help Facebook grow to um, your market share? What do you think? Yeah, so Libra has like all the government regulation issues, right? So I don't know if that's going to kill it. It might. But, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Libra anyways. I feel like it's over-centralized. It's like a few companies with master nodes. But it would be cool to see what they do. I think it definitely has the potential to be used a lot because Facebook is backing it if they can get through this like government regulation thing. Yeah, for sure. This is super interesting just to talk to you about this stuff because um, you read a lot on the internet about things, but you can't really tell if people know what they're talking about or if they're just regurgitating yeah. what other people are saying. Right. So I appreciate it. Um, I, I've, I think I just have one last question for you um, before, we, before we wrap it up. Actually, I have two questions. I just thought of a new question. I'm going to ask every guest on yeah. the spot. I just, so here we go. The, my, first, my, my second and last question is you're building Matrix. Uh, what, and this is the first time I've ever asked this. What is something that I and or anyone listening can do to help you get to where you need to be tomorrow or in a year? What's your, what's your ask for the forward thinking founder community? Uh, if, if you have one. It's <laughs> a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing is like follow what we're doing um, and give feedback along the way because we're just iterating very quickly right now. Right? So we want to build new features, build things, let people use it, get feedback immediately and then keep going. So if you follow what we're doing, give feedback, that would be extremely helpful. All right, I already tell them I like that question. I should have just asked everyone that, but I appreciate you being the inaugural how can, yeah. how can I help question. But my, my, my last question before we finish it up is, you, you're doing something incredible. You're, you're, you had an idea and you took that idea and you raise a little money and, and now you're running with it and building a freaking company. And there are a lot of people listening that, that have an idea. They don't necessarily know the first way to start, but they want to solve a problem. They're interested in an industry, but they don't know what to do first. What advice would you have for people uh, listening to the podcast um, who want to start a company, but don't necessarily know the first step? Yeah. Um, I actually just read this on Hacker News today and I really liked it. Like it's what we did, but I didn't put it into words. Like think of your idea. Think of like the bare minimum you could build to make it work. Cut that in half, cut it in half again, and then build that like tiny, tiny thing and then just run with it. Like figure out the simplest way you could build a tiny, like if you want to make a new smartphone, like grab a Raspberry Pi and stick a monitor to it and like hack on it. Like build this tiny thing and just run with it and see where you can take it. I love that. I love that advice. Uh, and then uh, if anyone listening 
wants to get in touch with you or wants to learn more about about Matrix and follow your ask, where can they learn more about Matrix on the internet and where can they learn more about you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, best way to contact me is on Twitter. I'm at Jay-Z Legion. Best way to learn more about Matrix is follow it on Twitter. It's at join underscore Matrix. All right, you all heard it here first. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I now feel like I got a masterclass in esports and a little <laughs> bit of cryptocurrency. So I appreciate you coming on and, and teaching me all these things. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on.